Matthew chapter 1, beginning of verse 18. I'm going to go ahead and read this, and then we'll get into our message. The new series for the next three weeks is called, Who is this King of Glory? It is the Christmas season, and we're going to be talking about Jesus. Uh, what better topic to be talking about in church, period, but especially during this time. Matthew chapter 1, beginning of verse 18 says, The birth of Jesus came, Christ came about this way after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph. It was discovered they came together uh, before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. What a powerful verse. What a powerful thought. An amazing uh, thought and explanation of who Jesus Christ is, who he came to earth to be, what his purpose was. If you want a purpose statement for the life and the mission of Jesus, it would be that last phrase, because he will save his people from their sins. Christians say today, uh, keep Christ in Christmas, right? That's, what, that's the, the battle cry at this time of year because we're offended by everything in this world and we might as well be offended when people say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. But does the average Christian really know who Jesus is? That's the big question. That's the bigger question for me. Does the average Christian really know who Jesus is? What sets biblical Christianity apart from cults and other world religions? It's the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, who he truly is. Now, listen, Islam says that Jesus was just a prophet messenger from God. Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus was a created angel. In fact, Jehovah's Witnesses uh, people throw them into the Christian category, and they're for the, one of the farthest things from that truth. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses not only believe that Jesus was created a created being, but that he was a created being lower than the Michael, that lower than the angel Michael. Unitarians, who surprise, you know, Unitarian Universalists believe in just about anything. They believe in the moral authority of Jesus, but not the divinity of Jesus, which means they don't believe that Jesus is God. Mormons believe Jesus gained his divinity from being created by God the Father. In fact, Mormons believe that you and I will become just like Jesus and be gods of our own worlds one day. Judaism says that Jesus was a great teacher and a great rabbi. Hinduism claims that Jesus was a holy man. Buddhism claims that Jesus was an enlightened man and that we can gain that state as well through enlightenment. And the New Age movement claims that Jesus was a wise moral teacher. Now, many of those things that I have said about what people believe about Jesus are true. Jesus was a wise moral teacher. Jesus was a holy man. But Jesus was so much more. Those are just simple descriptives of who Jesus was. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as those who claim to know him, not just as a character in a book, but those of us who claim to know him as the savior of our souls, who is Jesus? Who do Christians, true believers say that Jesus is? Who does the Bible claim him to be? I've heard this a lot lately, over the last several years. Many Christians will tell me, and it's usually younger believers, newer Christians or Christians who have been believers for a while but have never really truly been discipled in their faith. They will make this statement. Maybe somebody has said this to you. I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. Anybody ever had somebody say that to them? I believe in God and Jesus. Well, that on its face sounds okay until you realize the problem that comes in with that is that we make a, that statement makes a distinction between Jesus and God. 
Why is that such a problem? Because Jesus is God. In this series, I'm going to share with you who Jesus is, the one that we celebrate at Christmas, the King of glory, who he is. Because celebrating Christmas and quite honestly showing fake indignation when those outside of faith declare their war on Christmas by leaving Jesus out rings hollow when we can't even give a solid explanation as to who Jesus truly is or if we don't accept the clear teaching from the Bible about who Jesus is. If we can't give a solid argument as to why we celebrate the birth of Jesus on December 25th as the birth of someone incredibly special, someone that wasn't merely mortal, someone who was God in the flesh, how can we honestly say that Christmas should be about the one God's word claims him to be? How can we honestly say that Christmas is about more than lights and tinsels and gifts and eggnog when we don't truly know and don't truly believe who Jesus is. And you may say, listen, Pastor John, I, I don't know who you're talking to here because I believe in who Jesus is. Hold that thought, will you? Until we get through this message, because I'm going to be pointing out some things in this message, statistically speaking, and then anecdotally, to show that I believe that the fabric of our faith, the foundational cornerstone of our faith is being chipped away in the hearts and minds and belief systems of those who claim to follow Jesus as Savior. Who is Jesus? Who is this one that we celebrate, not just on December 25th, not just throughout an entire Christmas season, but those of us who, as, who claim to be his followers celebrate all year long? And who is the one that the world so desperately wants us to forget? Don't take it for granted and don't think that that's a, an untrue statement. The world desperately wants us to forget Jesus. They desperately want us to forget who he is. They hate what we stand for. They hate what he stands for. Sit down and talk with someone who is against Christianity and listen to the hatred that they have in their hearts for what the Bible says. Those who choose a different moral compass than believers do. Talk to them about what your belief system is. I have. It's not a pretty conversation, I'll promise you. Today's sermon is the biblical, biblical, biblical perspective and answers about Jesus and his claims of divinity. In other words, the biblical proof that Jesus is God. We're going to approach his divinity from the aspect of this morning as Jesus the creator. We're going to be talking about Jesus the creator this morning. Why is it important that you accept Jesus as the creator God? Why is it that why is it vitally important that you as a follower of Jesus claim and accept Jesus as the creator God, because the Bible says that he is God and that he created the universe. The attack on Jesus and his divinity in this area, wait for it, you knew it was coming, right? The attack on Jesus and his divinity in this area of Christianity is called evolution. Evolution. Evolution is probably the single greatest assault on our faith of the last 150 years. And it has pervasively wormed its way into the thought process, not just of humanity, but of the Christian church. Did you know that Pope John, what, I don't know what the Pope's name is now. Is it John Paul II or something like that? I'm not being flip. I'd, Francis, Francis, sorry. Pope, that's, okay, that's right, because they named the high school in Springfield after him, right? Pope Francis. <laughs> Did you know that Pope Francis, the leader of the Catholic Church, which the, the church that claims to be, I would put Christian in quotes for the Catholic Church, accepts and teaches evolution as fact. That's interesting. If Satan gets humanity to accept the teaching that the universe started from anything other than a creator, that all things, including humanity, evolved and continue to evolve, 
then it is one more nail in the coffin of God in the minds of society. Let me tell you how, so let me just give you a, a quick, I'm going to have to be quick here because you got a lot of scripture today. When I was studying the bird for the, the sermon, the last sermon, uh, they, some of the, the birds that get hit, you know, we talked about the eagle and the eagle getting hit by the road. Um, there have been studies done on why birds don't, why birds get hit on the roads. And there was a study done by this one group and they studied birds that live, un, live by, they nest by the side of the road and they nest under bridges. And they've noticed that over the last, I think it's, about, I think it's approximately 10 years, don't hold me to that, but I think that's what the survey said. The numbers have actually gone down of these birds that have been hit on the side of the road or hit on the road. Their explanation was this, no lie. We are watching evolution take place right now. Bur these birds are developing, they, these birds may be, these are the words they use, maybe or possibly. These birds may be developing stronger wings to get away from the cars. Now they made this big explanation and then at the very end, no lie, at the very end of this, this uh, quote from this, 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 sci this scientist, he said, or it could just be that birds are learning to avoid cars. Oh, okay. So now you've made this huge, this huge argument for evolution that you can't prove that is absolutely, quite honestly, silly. And then you actually give the real explanation that the birds finally realized, hey, I don't want to die when I get hit by a car. You say, well, Pastor John, is this going to be one of those mocking sermons about what people believe? I hope not, because that's not my purpose. But I hope that by the end of this sermon today, you understand the danger of not accepting Jesus for who the Bible claims him to be and how the thought process and the assault on our faith, the gradual, it's like the Chinese water torture, the constant drip, drip, drip has eroded the faith and the belief system of the average Christian. This attack, this line of attack by Satan is working. 62% of all Americans believe in the theory of evolution. I actually think that's a little bit low, but 62% uh, of Americans believe in the theory of, of evolution. It kind of goes along with what, um, with the, the divide among uh, Americans as far as secular and Christian. 73% of all millennials believe in evolution. 34% of Americans claim to be evangelical. That's the, once again, that's the kind of church we are. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We believe, believe that you need to accept Jesus as your personal Savior to pay the price for your sins, to, uh, to be given the gift of eternal life, and that it's our responsibility to share our faith with others. That's, the, that's a kind of a synoptical um, definition of what a, an evangelical is. Of those 34%, that claim to be evangelical. Now listen, the of the 34% of Americans who claim to be evangelical, like us, 62% believe in creation. What that means is 38% believe in evolution as the way the earth and humanity came about. But that, even that number needs to be broken down, 62%. Because 24% of evangelical Christians believe in evolution and 38% of evangelical Christians believe in what is called theistic evolution. That, in other words, God started everything and now the evolutionary processes take over. You say, well, well that's what I believe. I, I don't see what's wrong with that. <laughs> Please pay attention as we go through this because I'll show you exactly what is wrong with that? I'll show you exactly why it is dangerous. Did you, did you realize that the theory of evolution, first of all, is a theory. It can't be proven. And a true scientist who believes in evolution 
You can read their stuff. This is not just my opinion. This is not just my interpretation. You can read their articles and read their stuff. They will tell you they can't prove evolution. You can never prove evolution. Why? Because evolution is unobservable. You cannot observe evolution take place. It has to go over time and centuries and, and what they claim to be millennia. Okay? They claim it to be over thousands, tens of thousands and even millions of years. And they can't even show you one one species that went from a spe they they can't show you the you know the, the the big claim now is that dinosaurs became birds right they can't show you a dinosaur and then show you the changes in their skeletal system that led up to being a bird you know those charts you saw when you were in school those of you who were young enough to be taught evolution it started with a, a chimpanzee and it changed until the became a, a homo sapien erectus Homo erectus or whatever that whatever it is, and it showed the progression. There's no there there's no there's no fossil record or skeletal record to show that. You understand that, right? We all understand that that this is all supposition. That there's no actual honest to goodness scientific data to show evolution is true. We all understand that, correct? I hope so. Those of you watching on Facebook, I know, I know people are looking at me right now and saying, you're out of your mind. What do you think? This is what my teacher taught me all the time. Listen, folks, do your research. The fact of the matter is Christians are believing in the theory of evolution, which destroys the idea of Jesus Christ as God. I'll let you know later on in the sermon why that is so dangerous. Only 38% of evangelical Christians Believe in biblical, in biblical creation. 38%. Less than half of all. And that includes, you know, you probably didn't because you didn't see the study, but you know that over only, I think it's 72% of all evangelical pastors in America believe in the biblical account of creation. That means one-fourth of all, one-fourth of all Evangelical pastors in America believe the theory of evolution. And you wonder why we're losing the battle. You ask yourself, why do college, why do kids who go up through a church youth group and who are such strong members of the church youth group and have such a burden, they bring their friends to church. Why do they, why do they just walk away from their faith when they go to college? Well, quite honestly, because the one who controls the narrative controls the discussion. And if you, and we all know stories, and I've, I've talked to college students, that if, if you, and I know people, my wife is finishing her degree through a college, through a Christian university, and she lost, no lie, she lost points on a paper for disagreeing with evolutionary thought in a, in a science class. This is craziness for Christians to believe. Here's some quotes from those who believe in evolution and teach evolution. And there, so you, th you think, well, Pastor John, you're, you're making something up here. You're making up something that doesn't exist. Well, listen to these quotes. The biggest problem we've had is teachers who self-censor says Eugenie Scott, the co-founder of NCSE. They're responding to this very pervasive, there's something wrong with evolution mentality. There are too many teachers around the country who anticipate that they're going to get pushback if they teach the E word. So they skip that section of the textbook. We won't have won, listen to this, we won't have won until evolution gets taught as casually as we teach photosynthesis. Speaking of evolution, Evan Wolfson said this, it's something to be nurtured and defended. The same goes for educating young people, promoting a scientific outlook and national policy decision-making. None of it happens by itself. We still need to do the work. Generational, um, generational momentum is a polite word for death. What that last phrase means is that 
what the, what the evolutionists are counting on and the reason they fight so hard to have it taught in public schools to your children, your nieces and nephews, your grandchildren is because they believe that when you die off, your, th- your feelings and your morality and your belief system is going to die off with it. If they can change the hearts and minds of young people, this is, folks, this is truth. I got, I got this right out of articles written by these people. This is the assault on our faith. And they believe that if they can control the narrative with your children, and listen, if you live in Massachusetts and your children go to Massachusetts public schools, they believe they own your kids. They truly do. You need to fight hard to make sure that they know they don't. But they count on the fact that as the generation, I'm almost 58 years old, as my generation grows older and dies off, this younger generation who has been indoctrinated with humanism is now going to win the day with their thought. Think about it. I'm not going to get into all the moral changes that have taken place over the last 10 to 15 years. But you look at the, the difference in moral views in this country and how we've moved away from Christian belief systems and who the driving force has been. Now, why is it such an important issue? Why is it vital that so many that, that we as Christians know absolutely what the Bible teaches and know whether or not we agree with it? Why is it vitally important that we pass on our faith, its doctrines and foundations to our children and grandchildren? Listen, I got, I got no problem with a teacher teaching my boys. Uh, didn't have it with my three older kids. Don't have it with teaching my two youngest sons. Teach them evolution if you want. You know why? Because I'm going to be talking to them at home telling them how ridiculous it is. I'm not going to be mocking it, but I'm going to be laying out the case for Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor John, you need to make sure you're... Listen, I can't make sure my boys believe what I believe. All I can do is teach them. All I can do is lay it out for them. They have to make their own choice when they get to that age. But you better believe I'm going to be assaulting and attacking. And you better believe that when the teacher teaches this stuff, I will write an email and I have, I've done, this, I've done this already. I am like the nightmare father, okay? I truly am. I write emails to their teachers and say, listen, I was listening to the class. This is the bonus about having school at home right now. I was listening the other day and I heard this. And I just want you to know how I feel about this. And when it comes time for my boys to be taught evolution, I'll be writing emails saying, listen, I know you're teaching this and this is what is in the curriculum, but this is what I believe and this is what my sons will be teaching. They will be giving you the right answers because it's not really fair for you to teach something that's not true and expect them to give you a lie for an answer and get credit for it. So they're going to give you the answer so they'll get the grade. But understand that we don't believe that in this house. And my sons are being taught completely different. And Please do your own research. I've I've said that to teachers before. They really appreciate that comment. Please do your own personal research and check up what you're believing because you're teaching these things as fact when you cannot prove them. And I have a real problem with that. There is a war on Christmas because if you take Christ out of Christmas, you draw one step closer to taking Christ out of society. You grow one step closer to declaring uh, believers in Jesus to be crackpots who believe in fairy tales and silly notions and one step closer to taking the credibility right out of the Bible. Let me give you a brief disclaimer here. I'll say this up front. I believe to the core of my being everything that I'll be sharing with you today. Everything I've said and everything I'm going to be sharing with you, I believe in the core of my being. I am a rational, hopefully intelligent individual. I know how to do research, I know how to study, I know how to discern between arguments, and I reject completely, 100%, the theory of evolution. And I reject 100% the theory of of theistic evolution. And I'll show you why as we go through these verses. But I don't want you to think that there's any equivocation in my stand. I believe fully and completely in Jesus as the creator God. And the biblical account of creation, I believe, to be 100% true. Because if I don't, then everything else that I believe falls apart. Now, who is Jesus? 
Jesus is the Lord of all creation. He is the Lord of all creation. See, these aren't just silly, these aren't just catchy little phrases that we sing in songs, right? These aren't just catchy little phrases that we put on t-shirts or hang on posters or put on the back of our car. This is who Jesus is. He is the Lord of all creation. It's a matter of faith. You have to believe in something. You have to put your faith in something. Even if you say, I don't believe in anything, you're believing in nothing. You're believing in the fact that you believe nothing and nothing is what is truly to be believed in. You have to put your faith and trust in something. As a human being, I choose to follow Jesus Christ and put my faith in him and what I believe to be his word. Thomas Aquinas said, to one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. D. Elton Trueblood said, faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Dieter F. Uckdorf said, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. And I think that's one of the the greatest things we we can pass on to each other and to our children. Don't take every, my father used to preach this all the time. And it's one thing that always comes back. Cliff and Sue, you, they were, I think they were probably uh, pastored by my father longer than they've been pastored by me. And they can go back and tell you that my dad would say all the time, don't take my word for it. Read what the Bible says, right? Said that all the time, all the time. Why? Because my dad didn't want to create clones. My dad didn't want to disciple people who were mindless individuals who just said, well, my pastor says, or my church believes. My father wanted to disciple Christians and develop men and women of the faith who could say, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it. And man, that's what we have to do as as Christians. We have to make sure that we know and understand what the Bible says and why we believe it. And we need to we need to question everything. That's why I don't have a problem with uh, you know in the '60s. Question authority was the big thing. I mean, when I was in the army, I used to question authority. Now I wouldn't voice it publicly to my drill sergeant because you would pay a price. But I would, in a tactful way, ask. Why we're doing this? What is the purpose? Because when I understand the purpose of something, now I know how better to apply it to my life and I can take it to heart. G.K. Chesterton said, the danger of loss of faith in God is not that one will believe in nothing, but rather that one will believe in everything. Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3 say, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand. By faith we understand. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. You see, it's your faith in God and your faith in his word that helps you to understand that the Bible is true and the Bible is what it claims to be. Is Jesus God? Is he eternal? Yes. You see why that's important, why it's important to reject what the Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus was created, or the Mormons that, that Jesus was created, is because if Jesus was created, he's not eternal. And in order, for so, in order for the universe to be created by a supreme being, that supreme being has to be eternal. Even, wait for it, Even evolutionary scientists and teachers and professors will say that. That's why, did you know that the Big Bang Theory is going out of vogue now? You know why it's going out of vogue? Because they found holes in the theory of the Big Bang. Because there was nothing, it's what we said all the time. I've, I've said this a lot, and people, I'm not the only one. Where did the dust come from that started spinning around? It couldn't just come from nothing. So now, evolution, uh, evolutionary teachers and scientists who, who study this are saying that the universe and, and um, oh, the guy who, set, who taught, had 
Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking said, claimed this. He claimed that the universe itself was eternal because, and he rejected, he was so desperate to reject the teachings of God in the Bible. He said, if the universe needed to create itself, it would. Well, that doesn't make any sense, man. The most brilliant mind of our generation, and that's your big explanation about where things came from? Why do I accept the word of God? Because the word of God gives me an understanding and an explanation of where everything started. As human beings keep stumbling through the dark, trying to figure it out, they're now coming, they don't realize it, but they're coming around to our way of thinking. There needed to be something that is eternal to create. Thank you. This is why it's important to know that Jesus is eternal. Is Jesus God? Is he eternal? Yes. What biblical evidence is there of Jesus' divinity? We're going to go through these quickly. They'll be on the screen. If you're watching on Facebook, I believe you'll be able to see these. <laughs> Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. That is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the word. If you, will, if you do your, your word studies in the, on the book of John, in John chapter 1, you'll see that the, the phrase, the word, is another name for Jesus Christ. That's why it's capitalized in, your, in, everybody's, in everybody's translation, except the Jehovah's Witnesses, that is capitalized, okay? In the beginning was the word. That is Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is the living word of God. The walking, talking Bible, that was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Revelation 1.8, this is Jesus saying this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. If you go back in the verse, first seven verses of that chapter, you'll see that this is, this is referring and speaking about Jesus. When you read the full context, you'll know without a doubt it's speaking about Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Remember, Jesus is the one who gave the vision to John, right? This is the revelation of John. Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ is given to John. Jesus is saying to him at the very beginning, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and was and, is and who is to come, the Almighty. John 8, 58 says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, this is cool, you wait for it, before Abraham was, I am. What did God tell Moses to say to Pharaoh? Who do I tell, who do I say to Pharaoh sent me? I am. I am. I am. It's not just a mistake that that verse, that, that Jesus said that. I am. Did God create the universe? Did God, Jesus, create the universe? Yes. Did God create the universe? Yes. Do, does the Bible teach that God created the universe? Absolutely. And the, these verses I'm going to give you are going, I'm, I'm going to explain to you how they disprove theistic evolution. Remember, theistic evolution is the belief that God created everything and started it off and then allowed it to go on its own way. Okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read verses 1, verse 20, verse 24, and verse 26. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. Right there, let birds fly across the expanse of the sky. God created birds. They didn't evolve according to the word of God. Do you see why you, why you cannot claim to be a true believer in the word of God and claim theistic evolution? Because the Bible doesn't teach theistic evolution. The Bible, the Bible clearly teaches that God created birds and every living creature. He goes on, then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that crawl in the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. 
And it was so. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. God created man in his image. He created him just like he wanted him. Adam was created, and Adam had the same physical makeup and characteristics that we have today. You understand that, right? That humanity began with Adam, it began with Adam, and Adam was created just like you are. He didn't evolve. The Bible teaches clearly that God created the, the world, the living creatures, nature, the way it is today. Now, have species died off? Absolutely. Absolutely. That doesn't prove anything. That just proves that species die off, that, that we overfish and we overhunt and we, we uh, encroach on their, uh, on their living space. Why do you think that here in East Longmeadow we have um, fisher cats and wolves roaming our streets? And uh, we have uh, um, coyotes. There was a coyote in my neighborhood. I was going home, coming home from church uh, late at night one night, and uh, there was a coyote at the front door of one of my neighbor's houses. I'm wondering why my dogs are freaking out at night. It's because there's coyotes out there, man. Now, did God create the universe? Absolutely. Is Jesus God? Yes. Is Jesus God the creator? Does the Bible tell us whether or not Jesus is God the creator? Because this will prove that if there's biblical evidence that God created the universe, and we've seen that. And remember what I said up front. It's faith. You've got to have faith to believe this. You've got to believe what the Bible says. And if you don't believe this, then you don't really believe the Bible to be what it claims to be. So we've seen that there's biblical evidence that Jesus is God, that Jesus is eternal, and that, that God created the universe. Is there biblical evidence that tells us Jesus is the creator God? Well, yes, there is. I've watched enough lawyer shows to know that a lawyer never asks the question that he doesn't know the answer to, right? So a pastor needs to be the same way. Just, I don't really like comparing myself and my job to a lawyer's job, but, but that's okay. What is the biblical, some of the biblical evidence, and this is just, these are just a few. I'm sure you could sit down with my father, you could sit down with Osvaldo, you could sit down with Zach, you could sit down with anybody who has studied the word of God, and they could give you more verses than what I'm going to give you here on the proof that Jesus is the creator. Psalm 90, verse 2, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Read Psalm 90, and you'll see that it's talking about the Messiah. John 1, 3. Remember, we read, we read John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 3 says, all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Not one thing. Apart from Jesus, nothing was created. As part of the Trinity, the triune Godhead, Jesus is creator God, and Jesus was responsible for creating the universe. John 1.10, he was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, yet for us there is one God, the Father, all things are from him, and we exist for him. We exist for God the Father. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, all things are through him, and we exist through him. The reason you have breath in your lungs, the reason there is uh, heat, there, the reason there are the, pro the, the scientific processes that keep us alive is because Jesus desires us to continue to be alive. He is the source of all things scientific. You see, we don't reject science. All this, what <laughs> you see on some of these, 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 uh, these TV stations, these shows, these advertisements, they're saying, and, and all these, these, uh, these people who are saying 
the experts who are saying, trust the science. You know what they're trying to get you to do? They're veiling it with, we need to trust the science, reject the foolishness that everybody else is saying, and, and the scientists will be our saviors through, all, through the pandemic. What they're trying to get you to do is trust science. You understand that, right? Because if you, they believe that if you trust science, and Anthony Fauci, the man is brilliant in his field, but I'll guarantee you he rejects Jesus Christ. They believe that the more you learn about what they believe is to be scientific fact, the less you'll believe in God. I gave you quotes earlier, right? That's their goal. So, hey, I believe in science. I believe that God has created man with an amazing intellect. I believe that God has created us with an amazing capacity for learning and that God created this universe. You know, I believe completely and truly that the cure to cancer is available to us. I believe it's out there. We just haven't found it yet. I believe the cure to Alzheimer's disease is out there. We just haven't found it yet. I believe the cure to Parkinson's disease, what my oldest son, Zach, struggles with. I believe the cure is out there. We just have not found it yet. God has created us with the intellect to think and reason and find. All science emanates from God. He is the source of all science, of math. Look at the universe. Did you know that the universe mathematically makes sense? God designed it that way. Jesus designed it that way. And he keeps it together that way. It's no, no big trick. Just believe. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn from all, over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. There it is again. All things hold together by Jesus Christ. Why does this matter? Why does it matter? Because listen, if Jesus isn't God... The death and payment for our sins doesn't matter. If Jesus isn't God, you understand that, right? If Jesus isn't who he claimed to be, if Jesus isn't who the Bible claimed him to be, when that angel appeared to, to, to Joseph and he said, don't fear to take Mary to be your wife because the son that she is giving birth to, the son that you'll be fostering, a dear, near and dear to my heart, Joseph, the son that you will adopt to be your own. How cool is that? Jesus was adopted. How awesome is that? Joseph, the son you will adopt to raise as your own will save his people from their sins. If Jesus isn't God, if he isn't who the Bible claims him to be, if he isn't the creator God, then Jesus' life and death mean absolutely nothing for your eternity. If Jesus is not God and therefore the creator, he's a created being, just like the Mormons say. If Jesus is created, then how could he have been an adequate sacrifice to atone for the sins committed against an infinite God. You remember your study when you go into the book of Revelation and they say, who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the seals? The lamb that was slain. Nobody was worthy. Man, you go back into the Old Testament and you see the sacrificial lamb had to be perfect and spotless because it was a type of Christ moving forward. And when the Jews sacrificed on the pa at Passover, that perfect spotless lamb, what they were doing was foreshadowing the death of the perfect sinless spotless one who would be able to pay the price for our sins. You see, if Jesus is not the creator God, then our claim to eternal life is empty. If Jesus isn't God... He's a liar. You realize that, right? If Jesus isn't God, then the claims that I read to you about Jesus claiming to be God, 
are nothing but lies. If Jesus isn't God, why does it matter? Because if the claims of the Bible are just fairy tales or stories with good morals, our faith is empty and useless. And let me tell you why that is so important, because some of you get up. I had a hard time waking up this morning. I don't usually set an alarm. I always make sure I set an alarm on Sunday mornings because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, now that we have a nine o'clock service, I don't want to get a phone call saying, hey, where are you? <laughs> so I set an alarm on Sundays. Normally I'm up way before that, but um, some, of, some of you folks have sacrificed throughout the week. You've been here on Wednesdays. You've been here throughout. Some of you, some of you are running businesses and you're making amazing sacrifices to make sure that your family can be involved in ministry. Some of you are take, giving, I mean, some of you drive for a day and a half. You cross the Rubicon to get here, to come to church. You drive through a blizzard <laughs> to get here. Listen, can I share something with you? If what we've just talked about isn't true, then you're wasting your time. You do understand that, right? That if Jesus isn't God, if evolution is true, if theistic evolution is true, if anything that we've talked about is, 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 is true about how people uh, against the word of God, and if, if the claims of Jesus Christ are not true, then you're simply wasting your time. That's why it's so important that you reject what the world is trying to teach and you, you take into your heart and into your spirit what the Bible claims without reservation. Once you water down the Bible and deny the truth that it teaches, it becomes open season on everything else. You talk about open season on Christmas. Have you ever, are you like me? You look at these commercials on TV or you watch these TV shows or you listen to these talk show hosts and they say, um, we're going to have a holiday tree. Would you call it a flipping Christmas tree for crying out loud? You're not going to get cancer for calling. You know, it, come on, man. Do you realize, uh, seriously, do you realize how silly you sound? That's what I want to say to them. You realize, hey, listen, if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate Christmas. I don't really care. I'm going to celebrate what I want to celebrate. I'm going to do what I want to do. If you don't want to celebrate Christmas, but you understand by saying how... When we, we, used to flirt, we used to freak out as Christians when, they'd, when we'd have Xmas, right? Why? Because X took out Christ. It literally took Christ out of Christmas. Well, what do you think calling it holiday everything is doing? There's no longer any Christ in the celebration. When we call everything a holiday this, a holiday party, come on, let's be honest. We have a, we have a, a, a black gentleman here. How many, of your, how many of your friends celebrate Kwanzaa? They don't. Not less than 500,000 people. So why are you giving? This is the Christmas season. If you don't want to celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate Christmas. That's fine. But don't try to change everything and water down. And don't allow them to water down your faith for you. When people say happy holidays to me, I, I, that's, that's not a big deal to me. But I always respond with, hey, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. I'm old enough to get away with it. And I just, I just want to spread that Christmas cheer. Truth becomes subjective. Morality becomes subjective. And in the church, doctrine becomes subjective. That's why it matters. If Jesus isn't God, then Christmas truly is just a chance to spend money, get together, and feel good about humanity. That's why it matters. How do we change the narrative away from the one that the world is trying to create for the church? Here we go. Man, you've got to make Christ relevant in your life. You've got to make Jesus relevant in your life, folks. You've got to start reading your Bible. You've got to start praying. You've got to start fellowshipping with Christians. You've got to start digging into the Word of God. You've got to start praying. You've got to make... God relevant in your life again. Reclaim your faith from those who doubt. Take that stand. Take that. Stop trying to please everybody and stop trying, stop equivocating on what you believe and giving people. Stop. 
and stand firm on the word of God. Do you realize that if you have conversations with people who claim to believe certain things, when you sit down and truly say, this is what I believe and this is why, and this is why I don't believe what you believe, their arguments fall apart. They really truly do. And you'll find out that they aren't as deep in their faith as, they, as you think they might be. And then take a stand for biblical truth. I think that's what I could boil this entire sermon down to is that one phrase. Take a stand for biblical truth. Stop being ashamed of the word of God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God into salvation. Do you realize it all fits together? If Jesus is not God, if Jesus is not the creator, then there is no gospel. It doesn't matter. Who is Jesus? He is the Lord of all creation. And folks, I believe that with all my heart. And my prayer for you this Christmas season is that you will believe that too. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house today, Lord, and the privilege of being able to dig into Scripture. Lord, I pray that what was preached this morning will be accepted, will be accepted readily with, with open minds and open hearts. Father, I know that it's taken for granted that Christians believe what we think they believe, but Lord, that's just not borne out by what people truly say. And I pray that at the least, you've given people food for thought today, and at the most, you've swayed hearts and minds back to you or solidified the stands of faith that people make and take. Lord, I pray that as we go through this time that we won't just take the time to, uh, to celebrate your birth. And that won't be the only thing, Lord, but we'll also be able to and be willing to take the time to share our faith and why your birth is so important. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place today, that you'll bless us, keep us safe out there, Still some icy patches out there, God. I pray that you'll watch over us. Pray for those among our numbers that are sick or away from us today. Would you keep them, would you bring them back to health? Pray for Eddie Frint, God. You'll preserve his life through this virus. Father, I pray that you'll bless us all. May we go forward as worshipers today for you. In your precious and holy name we pray and ask all these things. Amen.